Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online. I am Madderall here with the TIS crew for the weekend roundup. We got a lot to cover today. Some big news. Finally, we're going to see a conclusion to this war as a final assault will happen against the 1DQ system that has the Imperium barricaded down, ready to defend. Pappy made announcements over the weekend. They were going to attack full-scale invasion. It's going to take two to four weeks. If they can't do it in that amount of time, they're actually going to go back and declare the war over. Uh, also, we're going to talk about uh, Minimitar Liberation Day and who the winners were there. And we're going to talk about the big piece of news that came out today, far-reaching information on what CCP is going to be doing with development in quarter four and beyond. And you're going to like what you hear if you're worried about scarcity. That's going to happen in quadrant four. All right, let's get started with some introductions, uh, starting with Kenneth. How are you doing, Kenneth? Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? Good. Kenneth's an industrial guy, does major, major, major orders, uh, builds uh, things at scales that are unbelievable. So shipyard owner, we'll call him. Uh, we have Suetonia here with us. Suetonia, hi. Hey, how is everyone? Good. Suetonia is... Um, uh, solo PvP -er, one of the best, kind of has an encyclopedic mind uh, about mechanics and gosh, just about everything else too. Uh, Arcia is here from Edencom. How are you doing, Arcia? Hey, how are you doing? Actually from Electus Matari, but uh, also a fleet commander for the Edencom forces. Uh, we have uh, Rain here. How are you doing, Rain? I am good. Thank you. Uh, Rain, you might see her as a commentator for the Alliance Tournament. And, uh, of course, she's done other podcasts and stuff like that. Uh, Nick is here as well. Nick Bison, how are you? I'm doing fine. I'm actually doing something rather unusual. Uh, I'm actually playing Eve again right now. So Yeah. Hey, you look like the real thing. You got, like, a gray shirt matching your mic and everything. Very nice. Oh, I, I'd, li I'd like to claim some coordination on that, but uh, nope, just pure luck. Yeah, well, it's the weekend. All right. Also with us is Khan, Estrella Khan. How are you from uh, Damfam? I'm, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, don't blame. Still trying to wake up. Yeah, it's a little early. I forget what coast you're on, but uh, it's a little early for the Pacifics. Let me just turn you up just a little bit. Uh, Khan, you're also going by the Elder these days, right? Not really. I just I changed it for Discord just to do a little RPing, but I don't really go by that. No. Okay. We'll call you Khan. And uh, finally, uh, we have off-screen uh, Xiao Chen. Shen, how are you doing, Shen? Doing well. Hello, hello. Army of Mangoes, Nullsec player, someone that uh, was on the, uh, we'll call it victim side of scarcity, so he can talk about that from that angle. All right, guys, welcome to the show. Let's get started. There is a little bit of review we want to do about the shows that we did this week. We'll do them very quickly, and we'll take up some of those topics uh, as a group in just a second. So on Monday, we had a fireside breakdown where we took what uh, the leadership of the Imperium was saying and tried to break it down for you. On Tuesday, we looked at Fraternity and their interesting messaging, because after this show on Sunday, we had an announcement from Pappy saying they were going to get together on uh, Saturday, yesterday, and they were going to make a big announcement together at the same time, individually to their groups. Uh, fraternity kind of previewed that a little bit when uh, Noros was sent a message out to his own guys. So he got a sneak peek at what was going to be discussed on Saturday, yesterday. On Wednesday, we talked about uh, mining planets and what planetary production looks like today. That used to be called PI. It's now 
P. I just walked myself into a trap, didn't I? Planetary. It, it was PI. They changed it to PP, and then they realized how terrible PP was <laughs> as an acronym because they changed the uh, planetary production. Now it's just planetary industry, I think. It's kind of like when the ship fitting tool, or the ship, uh, the ISIS. ship tree was ISIS. Yeah. <laughs> at, a, at a really bad time. Interstellar something. Yeah. Yeah. Interbus ship uh, identification system. service, or yeah, or oh. identification system. Yeah, I'm glad it's PI again because that makes it easy for me. So, uh, and and that that was put together by Ren, who's part of TIS, and he he showed uh, his methods of managing uh, uh, planetary industry, and that was uh, really helpful for a lot of people, which is great. Then on Thursday, we talked about a wormhole eviction that was happening with um, mm, Stranger Danger, I think, was being evicted, but they resisted that eviction, it turns out. And then on Friday, we had a big day because we talked about um, uh, the monthly economic report and this huge announcement that came out of CCP, which was the dev blog. We're going to talk about some of that stuff uh, now with this guy on this weekend roundup. All right. First thing I wanted to cover, uh, Minmatar Liberation Day. Who won and what was the competition? So the competition was between the seven tribes for basically um, who could get the most points from the supporting capsulators for the duration of the event. Every person who wanted to participate in the Minmatar Liberation event was able to choose, every player was able to choose a one of the seven tribes to represent with rewards being skins and ultimately uh, a service tattoo from that tribe. Um, the winner ended up being the Thucker tribe who got the most player support over 20%, just barely over 20% of players chose the Thucker tribe. Second was Sebiester and third was Brutor. Um, I think those three tribes were like the obvious favorites going into it. And I'm not particularly surprised that the Thucker won the whole caravan, uh, like aesthetic and lifestyle of the Thucker is very appealing to a lot of players from just like a flavor perspective. And the Thucker won by about a hundred points over the next place, uh, uh the Stebiester or, or more than, more than a hundred points. Like it's a, a thousand, a thousand, thousand points. Yeah. I meant, yeah. But Basically, the points were cured by players either doing the, the combat sites and the events, doing the hacking sites, or doing the, uh, the Abyssal Arena for the four days that was out. Um, and yeah, the Thucker won by a pretty uh, wide margin. So they will be getting ownership of the new station in Bator for its first year, which is quite an honor for, for the Thucker tribe, uh, the last tribe to join the rejoined the Republic. Um, they joined after the, the Nefentar came, um, Nefentar came back and reformed the Nefentar tribe and the Stark Mnir were rescued. The Thucker uh, rejoined the Republic and they're still, they're still out in Great Wildlands, but they are part of the Republic too. Did they say what system that new station's going to be in? Pator, Pator, the Min Oh, in Pator. Yeah. Ah, thank you. I wanted the Starkvanir to win because then <laughs> yeah. it would be the only Starkvanir station in the game because currently they don't have any uh, stations. Yeah, yeah. The, the Starkvanir winning would actually be pretty interesting um, because they're so few in numbers uh, lore-wise because they're just who was rescued barely a decade ago, right? Um, just, just a little bit over a decade ago from... Uh, 
the Elder Fleet invasion at the beginning of the Faction Warfare. Uh, they're they're considered like precious tribe, right? Like there's something yeah, about them because they were thought to be completely wiped out when uh, the planet of Arzad Two, known as Starkman Prime to the Minmatar, was was basically glassed by the Amar. The Amar basically genocided the planet, and they thought Starkman tribe was completely gone, um, the planet of their homeworld, and. Uh, it turned out that some amount of Stark Minute people were being held as slaves in the Amatar Mandate, and some percentage of the Amatar, uh, who are ethnic Nefentar, knew about this plan to keep them safe. So when that was revealed, the Minmatar took a secret fleet they, they had been building and invaded, uh, uh, rescuing a lot of the... Starkmanir, if not most of the Starkmanir from the Mandate, bringing back to the Republic. The Nefentar, who were trying to keep them safe, went back to the Republic and reformed the Nefentar tribe, um, as said before. So that's how the Starkmanir and the Nefentar tribes came back to the Republic. But yeah, the Starkmanir tribe is is very, very, very small in numbers. It's basically just the people who survived the genocide by uh, certain people trying to keep them safe over the years. Mm. Isn't it, isn't it awful when you have that word and you just can't find it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I hate that. That happens to me all the time. I just woke up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, I'm sorry the show's so early. We should probably like do this like later in the day, but, uh, but it works out. All it right. It gets me out of bed. Right? I can't complain too much. Yeah, that's true. Hey, what about you, uh, Khan? Did you participate or watch any of this stuff? So you're affiliated with Faction Wars, uh, Minmatar side of things, right? You're part of Dam Fam, and uh, and and you were former. Um, I was going to say HK, and that's wrong. UK. It's uh, Ashra Khan. Thank you. Participated a little bit. Um, it was I mostly did the PVE sites where you go in and you go in with the cruiser and you kill the battle cruiser at the end. I did that a couple of times, but. Ultimately, besides, you know, actually doing the RP side of things, I really didn't do the sites, no. Um, I just enjoyed the event itself, not so much just doing the sites. Uh, who did you pick? I, oh, I chose Bruder. I chose Bruder. Astraeus is a uh, born and raised Bruder, so I chose him ultimately. Oh, got it. All right, cool. Um, so that's the uh, Liberation Day. By the way, did, you, did the rest of you participate in Liberation Day at all? Yeah, I got all my points. I did a little. I um, I only did a couple times. Uh, so I got like 100, 150 points. But I was doing the exploration sites, which were really fun. Oh, also the top 100 uh, point getters for every tribe got a medal from the tribe. So nice. um, if you participated for the tri a tribe and you were one of the top 100 uh, players in earning points, you got a cool medal from an NPC corp, which is... Uh, Pretty cool. They've been giving out those a lot more lately. Uh, I think I just missed it because I just kind of got my 600 points and and I forgot to redeem when I was doing the arena, but I didn't do it that long either. So Can you I redeem those well. later or something? You have to click like the button every time you get a win oh. or every time you finish the site, you, you click the button to redeem points. Because when I, I, when I was doing the sites, I did it like every time because I was trying to get the tattoo at the end. And then by the time I was doing the arena, like cause I, I, I finished the 600 points on day two. Uh, by the time I was doing the arena when that came out, just I only did it for one day. And I just didn't even think about the points because I, I had my 600. Nice. Did you, get, did you get the tattoo? Yeah, of course. I, I, 
I did that on day two from right. just the, the sights. Where the, is it? Um, in your, a station. On your body. I'm holding oh. on to it until something happens. Is it one of, the, one of those ones you lick and put on your face? That's probably not how it works now. <laughs> it's not a temporary tattoo. It's it's probably like, like a nano tattoo. Um, so in Eve, you can have tattoos that you can make disappear or make change into a different tattoo just the same way the skins on your ships change with uh, like nano bots and stuff. So whenever you get that tattoo that says like Winona, you can just change the name to the next girl. So, yeah, basically. That's actually possible. That's like <laughs> actually hypothetically possible in the Eve universe. Yeah, I like that. that that'll save people a lot of heartache. <laughs> uh, for the person asking in, in chat, you can sell the tattoos. Um, if you want, you get both a male and a female one after you complete the, the line. So you can sell the one that's not applicable to your, to your character, for for example, or give it to a, a friend. I know um, my CEO is, is making a stash of tattoos just for like our peers who come back to the game later who missed it, right? Oh, that's really cool. All right. Um... Oh, there's the metal. Okay. Um, all right. So yeah, thanks. I got one. Did you? I'll bring it yeah, up. Yeah, I screen. just realized I got it. Actually, I didn't. I didn't actually know. Uh, I just checked my notifications, and yeah, I had to get one. That's I didn't nice. think I would because I didn't really do much beyond the like. I grinded the science until I got the medal, and then I played the proving grounds to get top 100. I didn't really uh, like do anything beyond that. But I, I guess maybe less people picked like Starkman than the other ones, so that's probably why it was like maybe a little easier for me to get it. Yeah, highest points per capsuleer was the Sebiester tribe, and the Sebiester brooder and Thucker had a lot of competition. Stark Manir had less, and Nefentar had the least. Nefentar came up in the rear, and so th those ones at the back were probably easier to get a hold of. Oh, really cool. And you didn't even know you got it. Lucky guy. Well, I didn't expect to get it, because I didn't really put in yeah, much nobody effort. Knew it was coming. Nobody knew it was coming. You gotta make it public. Like, you're not showing it off to anyone. Yeah, it's like a captain's quarter. Nobody can see it except you. It, yeah. it feels kind of weird to have, like, a Treglavian medal and a Mimitar medal at the same time. Cause... All right. Well, that was the Liberation Day. That was the event that came out of, uh, I guess that was, like, two weeks ago, uh, CCP's, like, events team. Before that, you had Galente's um, Republic Day or whatever it was. And so Federation we're... Day. Federation Day. And we still have uh, Kaldari and Amar to go. So Amar's coming up starting August 5th. That's Foundation Day. I think it's it's the 5th uh, through the 10th or something like that. And yeah, the, the Proving Ground, I know, is from the 6th to the 10th. So it's probably, the, you know, the few days before then when it actually starts. It starts on the 5th. That, the 5th is the actual uh, in-lore day of, of Foundation Day for the Amar, which is the day that the Amar Empire was founded. Oh, cool. All right. And then after that will be Kaldari, uh, whatever that is. Kaldari Union Day. Union Day. Union Day. Oh, okay. All right. Thanks. And that kind of leads into something we'll talk about a little bit later, which is the quarter, uh, sorry, quadrant four uh, plans that CCP has and, uh, and some of the stuff. But before they finish quadrant four, they have to finish, before they start quadrant four, they have to finish quadrant three. There's still ESS to go, right? Those, uh, the grand heist hasn't begun that's yeah. quadrant two. Is it two? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're, we're still we're in two. Off. J yeah, July but... is like the end of quadrant two for CCP. Okay. Like Q1 for them is February for some reason. February uh, 
March, April is Q1, and then May, oh. uh, June, July is Q2. So we're going into Q3 now with August. Q3 starts August 5th, uh, ostensibly, unless they move it again. All right, Qu Kenneth, uh, Quadrant 2, they need to finish it off by releasing these Grand Heist keys. What do you think? Uh, I'm thinking that the amount of Tuesdays left in Quadrant 2 is getting down to uh, a very, very, very small number. Yeah. Obviously, we can't say what the patch day is going to be, but they're either going to make Quadrant 2 or they're not. And if they make it, it's pretty much, I think next week is the last week, isn't it, Sutonia? Yeah, the the only uh, normally they release stuff on Tuesdays or Thursdays, and there's only uh, one. There's it'll be the twenty seventh or the 29th. Oh no no no! They can make it the twenty seventh of July or the third of August, because the the quadrant doesn't end till the fifth of August. Because yeah, um, so yeah, there is two there is two Tuesdays left technically. Well, I was thinking about what uh, fraternity leader Noro said, and he basically said three things. Uh, the first one was about the war, which we'll talk about in a minute. Uh, the second thing was uh, they're putting up a trade tower, which was kind of interesting. And then the third thing was ESS. It's about conquering other people's ESS. It's not just defending our own. So uh, do you think there's going to be a gold rush uh, in other people's space? Or do you think the Empire is just going to harvest well, the I mean, stuff? Nora said, uh, mentioned specifically Esoterra in his uh, post. <laughs> so he's encouraging people to, to uh, mess with the uh, army of mangoes. Shen. And also with the with the way the uh, the keys are set up, right? The quadrants, mm -hmm. the area around uh, fraternity space, like the keys they're gonna get from that area of Losec are not gonna be for their space. It'll probably be for the uh, one of the other quadrants, right? So it'll probably be uh, Esoteria. So that's you, Shen. That's your territory. Yep. I mean, uh, like if if fraternity stays to their word, they should be crazy busy with their. Um, or effort in Delft. Uh, we have like Tech 3 cruisers fleets going out every time, every time a Sino Jammer reinforced, there's a potential of, of escalating to a, another M2 battle. So I don't think they will have full on fleets, maybe just small skirmish people coming to Esoteria. But I think the next month for any Papi lines will be to focus on war. Yeah. And who knows, they could get destroyed in that war, right? And reduce their ability to harass you guys but you're in there too. Hope. there was it That's was also hope. mentioned that there's <laughs> sorry go ahead no so it was also mentioned that you know when you kind of review that um there's only three or four maybe five regions that have really fat banks so that might target a bunch yeah the 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 the, the interesting thing too is all of those uh all of those regions are almost all in the same quadrant so like Vale is one of the biggest areas, Awasa and TKE, the Kalavala Expanse, which is Horde Space. All of those are in the north uh, eastern quadrant. So they'll all use the same keys. So it'll be interesting to see how expensive those keys will be because like Horde and Fraternity both want those keys, which is going to put a lot of uh, pressure on them. Yeah. Well, the Grand Heist is still coming, should be here pretty soon. And, and then we'll see how that shakes out. But what's interesting about that, the Grand Heist is starting at the same exact time that Pappy announces uh, in this war effort in the South in Delve that there's going to be a final push, a final assault on Imperium's territory. Now, Imperium is collapsed down to one constellation, and it's a, it's a, it's a massive citadel. It, there's thousands of people in it, and thousands of uh, titans and motherships, and it's just or supercarriers. 
it's just going to be uh, very difficult to go in there and destroy the last of their holdings. At the same time, Pappy said, full-scale effort. Max, max numbers. Everybody, you have one week to get all your stuff turned back on, all your accounts, get your ships there. We have word right now, fraternity's on the move from the north. So there's a giant move-op happening now. There will be move-ops for the rest of the week. What do you guys think's going on here? I mean, it's the, it's the final push, right? Because, uh, like, I don't think the war can continue as it's currently doing. Like, all of the, all of the alliances in Norsec are just bleeding members. And, like, as you can see from the PCU, everyone's getting bored of the war. I, like, the stalemate is just costing everyone uh, membership. So I've, I think they've decided, right, like, we, we finished the war. I think Norris's message said 60 days. Or somewhere around that. I know Gobbins and his uh, his one said he doesn't want to put a, a an exact deadline to it, but he said it'll be like you know weeks, right? So uh, probably probably somewhere around sixty days, you know, depending I, on I how successful it is. It'll be over the minute that there's a, the stalemate is is guaranteed, right? If one side or the other starts making some progress, especially the Pappy side, if they start making some real progress uh and drum up support then they'll probably keep going uh if for some reason you know max numbers and max numbers turns into a tie-dye fest and no one can do anything then you know no one wins uh the server wins and we'll probably all just go home i, I mean because that's what it comes down to right if if you can't assault something because the server won't handle it then nothing's gonna nothing good will come of that ever so a few a few people, uh, goons mostly, uh, pointed out that uh, Progrod sounded quite defeated in his uh, in his speech. And so, do you think that Test is uh, loses no matter what happens here? Because even if uh, Pappy is victorious and One DQ One is glassed and destroyed, uh, goons have shown that they have the resilience to live out of one constellation. They could just move to NPC Dow for a little bit, and as soon as PL goes home, Panfam goes home. Uh, goons still have three to one numbers over test, and they can just uh, come back, come right back out as soon as uh, Horde are gone and uh, well, just completely destroy test. Right. The down, the downside of that is, and yes, yeah, can you operate out of NPC delve and be a harassing agent? Absolutely. Where are you going to park that super and Titan? There's no Keepstar you own in that area. Test can't stop them from putting down a Keepstar. That's that's. That's absolute. Um, what Tess can do if they're fighting two to one or three to one underdog and goons try and assault all their keep stars that they haven't delved now, it's going to be the same thing that, we, that we're facing now, only flipped. You know, you get four, three or 4,000 people in system and goons can't jump into that, just like we can't jump into them. It's going to be the same thing that's but reversed. You know, the, there's a... There's a different citadel mechanic when you're defending and the and the attacking team can or can't show up. Like if you're defending a citadel with 500 people, the nodes reinforced and the attackers bring 1,500, that's a completely different scenario than you're defending a citadel and you've got 4,500 and the attackers can't show up. So there, there's two very different scenarios there. And that's that's going to decide whether or not goons make inroads on them. Well, okay, before there's a whole revenge story, if the Imperium ends up surviving, what are the odds that the Imperium can actually be defeated 
in a war that really has anywhere from minimum 4,000, maximum 15,000 actual accounts fighting it out in one small region. Is it going to spread out? Is there new strategies? Are we talking about uh, blobs changes helping out? Are we talking about multi, multi-different uh, fields? Or the only clue that we had, and this is something I pointed out on Fridays, we did a live broadcast about this announcement, and we played what they were saying live, and then we commented on it. And one of the things I heard ProGod say uh, a long time ago, a few months ago, was that they had penetrated into 3TACD, which is one of the entry systems into this constellation, but they didn't follow it up because there's no point in following it up if you're not going to go in with everything. And since they weren't going to do that, they weren't going to fight over stuff that could be rolled back by the Imperium. And then yesterday we heard from Gobbin saying something like they have seen good results from max-max numbers, which tells me because they were able to break into 3TACD and make progress, this time they're going to follow it up because they're calling everybody back and they're saying there's a deadline, basically. So yeah. what do you think we're going to see? I think it's like, like I said, like any time the Sino Jammer in one of the back system gets reinforced, a Sino is lit from the Cappy side, it has a chance to escalate to another M2. That's any time a Sino Jammer is reinforced. So we, we may see five or six of them happening in the next month. There's a chance. But how likely that's going to be, we don't know. So, I mean, they are, are going full full, uh, full uh, in right now. With, I say, for, for example, FRAT is moving all their supers, basically, and their capital fleet uh, all the way from Vale to, uh, to Delve. So we do have a lot of assets, and we do have a lot of uh, ships on the line that we can use. I mean, there's a lot coming at Imperium, but they're a big group. They're a huge group. What's going to happen, Kenneth? Uh, Tell- I don't, I, I don't know what's going to happen, but I can almost guarantee there won't be another M2. Um, you know, if they have four or five thousand in system, there's no way we're going to jump in. We know the server can't handle it now. But um, then all they need to do would, is form uh, to prevent you from fighting. Well, but also if we're going to make inroads in the whole thing and they form up five thousand in one DQ and we jam everybody in 3D or uh, whatever that system is at the top of the pipe and take that system and reinforce all that stuff, now they have to split up where they go. And whichever side that they're on, we just go the other way. And that's you're just going to have to divide and conquer like that just so you have a chance of jumping in. I mean, because, you know, just like M2... Is suicide to jump into 5,000 people. Not so much from a military point of view, but from a server point of view. Uh, Rain and and Suetonia, you guys covered this. Oh, go ahead. You were about to jump in. Go ahead. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of people talk about like the strategies and what's what and who's where or whatever. The two, there's two big things um, Pappy had to focus on, right? You either take the gate in 3TACD and you take the iHub in 3TACD or you do the same thing in 1DQ. Nothing else really matters unless I'll say, unless they do like black ops behind the scenes, trying to like reinforce I hubs um, on other parts of the constellation. But the real focus should be three tech D and one DQ. And the thing is, is Imperium knows this obviously I would hope they know this and they are set up to prep for it. Like Kenneth said, if they're focusing everything in one place, then they either have to be really nimble to move or Pappy has to be really fast to try and juke them. The, The other concept is too. If you commit everything in one area, 
and then you get somebody behind the scenes. Like I'm thinking those Cobops sort of sort of ships because I believe they can ignore. Can they ignore jammers or Cobop? Cobalt Yes, uh, you so. can always light a Cobalt Sino. Yeah, so I mean, that could be a strategy, right? Like you hit three different iHubs, Force Imperium to split, like that could be sort of a strategy. But the thing is, Pappy has to either take down some sort of structure, whether it be, you know, like a staging, sort of like that Keep Star, or, you know, the jammers or the bridges or anything along those lines in order to make an impact, or they have to go for the iHubs iHubs are only vulnerable for a set amount of time. Everything else is vulnerable 24-7. So that's where Pappy being a larger coalition might come into play because they have, you know, Fraternity, which is AU time zone. They have Euros. They have Americans. Um, Imperium obviously has the same, but in smaller scale. So it's one of those. I just think back to how the fountain, the fighting in fountain started. You have to do nonstop fighting. And eventually the defenders, the defenders only have to mess up once. The attackers can mess up a day in and day out. And so that's that's what I'm assuming the strategy is now, how that will actually play out with the human factor, like it all looks good on paper or whatever. But that's, in theory, what Pappy has to do. Um, obviously, like if you ignore the server stuff and ignore like the, the people stuff, it should play out. But I don't know. I've, I've said that like months ago, and obviously we're still here. Yeah, you and Suetonia were covering the war really well. You guys covered Fountain and kind of how it broke down. I think you guys recognized the pivotal fight when it was happening and you went live uh, and, and then after that, it was basically a, a, a collapsing really of fountain as uh, Pappy kind of rolled in with some, let's call it heavy artillery, right? They brought in a bunch of dreads and stuff. Um, so Tony, do you have any, what do you think is going to happen here? And do you have any predictions? Do any of you guys have any predictions on what's going to happen? I think, okay, go ahead. I, all right. Well, to be polite, um, I don't think they're going to break in. You know, everybody knows I'm not a Imperium fan by any stretch. I just don't see a mechanism that's going to allow it, uh, you know, given the constraints of people and game engine itself. It's unless they've, unless the Pappy folks got something up their sleeve that's totally crazy, I think the mountains got a little too high. All right. Anybody else? Yeah, I, I think goons are probably going to hold here because, like, based on the numbers that were like shown around the announcement as well. Like Goons logged in like two two times more people than Pappy did, like during the uh the town halls. As well as like just all of the busted mechanics that are involved. Uh like there's still the uh, the the big problem right of the uh the outpost that's on the one DQ one iHub, which is a massive problem because it means you can't take it with uh, with a fax because the, the the Citadel will just kill the fax with the anti uh anti-cap weapons so you have to you have to basically uh intosis it with a with a sub cap effectively but, but goons can just you know just throw like griffins and whatever the whatever they want at it right so or a super or a titan yeah i yeah. think they're gonna hold i think guns are gonna hold imperium's gonna hold i mean i really hope that there is some kind of you know battle i mean i'd love to see a see uh you know one dq one fall because that'd be really really awesome and you know if it doesn't it would at least be uh really nice to see just you know a bloodbath of trying to push goons out but yeah like we'll I, don't really have a, a, I don't really have a preference if it falls or not i i want like supers on both sides to die um yes. <laughs> like, yeah, same like my ideal to... situation is like they completely wipe out super forces on both sides and i don't care what happens to the system yeah that won't i just don't like supers <laughs> Kenneth, that would make you very popular since you can build them. 
yeah, but that, that won't happen, period. You, you just don't, you don't think that anybody's going to risk their arsenal in this fight because they're not going to trust the servers to hold. I think that's what you're saying, right? To a, to a certain degree, right? If, if, if we could jump into 2,000, that's massively different than jumping into 5,000. Yeah, but all, losses are losses are fine as long as they're justified. But yeah. losses because the server died or overheated or whatever you want to call it is that there's just no sense in that. Well, that's just maddening at that point. I do think they're gonna probably uh, attack test afterwards. Yeah, I think test is, test is next regardless of what happens, right? Even if uh, Papi are victorious. Certainly. One key one falls. Uh, I'm pretty sure Goonstorm. I mean, Matania said uh, pretty much right, they're, they're sticking around in Delve. They're not going to Saranen. They'll be in NPC Delve. And then e even if Goons don't have subs, you know, supers, uh, like the like Kenneth said, like, they can easily put down a Keepstar because like Goons have three to one numbers versus tests. So unless uh, unless you know Panfam are willing to take a wormhole down every single time, uh, Goons do anything in Delve, which you know would start getting really. Uh, you know, I'd say like it'd be the stalemate again, right? Uh, you know, I think Test is definitely going to have a hard time no matter what happens. Well, not just Test, but Legacy as a whole is, is would, if it turns out that way, assuming, um, you know, Imperium survives more or less intact. You know, if they, if they survive, but like everybody's just been beaten to death, different story completely than if they survive with the majority of their heavy assets in place. If that's the scenario, all of Legacy could be in trouble. All right, Khan, I know you don't have a dog in this fight. You're watching it from an asteroid belt out there in low sec. Do you care what happens? <laughs> Honestly, no. Um, just the scale that these alliances are working at is just like so far to where I could even attain. So not really. Um, but one thing I do kind of find interesting, and I kind of want to ask... Somebody who might be a little bit experienced with it is um, what's going to happen with the uh, the trade uh, network that Test has. Um, do you guys think that goons might see a chance to possibly ally with fraternity to put some pressure on uh, you know their tax haven that they have, or do you think that they'll continue to work with Test to keep that income flowing in? Because I do yeah, believe. Yes. I think the. The Matani, I don't know if you uh, if you uh, watched the meta show uh, that was on Friday this time around, Matterall, but I think the Matani yeah, touched on that a little bit. He said uh, he said he doesn't really care about the TTT personally. He said he strongmaned his way into it by just demanding twenty percent or something. So uh, I'm not really sure. Like, uh, uh, and I think he was like you know patting Norris on the back, kind of for you know sticking it to, to the TTT and Vili in some way. So I'm not sure what Goonswan would do. Because, <laughs> I mean, if they if they want to keep claiming that 20%, then they should, you know, attack Fraternity's Keepstar alongside Test and Goonswan. Although, uh, not, sorry, not the uh, Horde. But then Horde are also allied to Norris, so it's kind of uh, weird in, in that way too, right? A lot of things can happen. And then you right? still have PanFam to deal with. They'll pick a side. And you're well, nearby. They would most likely go with fraternity, though. I don't think they would want. Like... I, I don't know, right? Like the the TTT is pretty much like Gobbins, uh, 
a project, right? Like, or partially anyway. So, uh, the the enterprise of collecting taxes by offshoring is something that Gobbins protected with his fleet commanders, as these financial guys did it, like ICU or IC and uh, Eve Mogul, right? There were two groups that were competing, and uh, they they backed. I don't know if they they backed IC for sure. I'm not sure they backed Mogul too. But then uh, Test actually came up and took over that racket, but then also invited in Horde so there wouldn't be any competition or disruptions to it, and then brought in Goonswarm as well, just to kind of stabilize it from attack from people who were left out. Uh, and what's interesting is that uh, then uh, Fraternity... I know that Villy was looking for partners to placate, basically. He wants to buy people off. He bought Snuff off. Snuff basically took the money and then attacked anyway. Um, at least the uh, stuff going on in Ignoiton. But uh, I'm sure, I, I would think that Fraternity was invited in to be paid off so they didn't threaten it. Uh, well, Norris said in his update that they, uh, they left him out of it. And that's one of the, the reasons the why he's T putting this up. Yeah, the TTC, which I think is the Tranquility Trade uh, Commission, which must be the group that then owns the Tranquility Trade Tower um, and the stuff that wasn't ignited but destroyed. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure what the actual technicalities are, like if they have seen any money from it, but uh, Billy was somebody that was eager to pay people off in order to keep, to keep the stability. Well, well when, when the TTC like, it was originally uh, crafted, right, around that time was when Test and Fraternity had that war in the South, so it's likely that mm, Billy right. probably left them out of it because of that. Sure, and they were in Owasa at the time too, or even, they weren't even in Owasa, they were pre-Owasa. Zhao, what's the geopolitical between fraternity and test? I didn't think it was all that friendly in general. Uh, it's basically you, when you have a common enemy, you have to stay together. Uh, well, I, I understand that, but test befriended army of mangoes, right? Yeah, so at the beginning of uh, well, when we joined SOM, the frat and the test war, we were first alongside with frat. And then I think we got either backstab or some sort of, of drama happened. And then basically there's a huge um, uh, like negative going in both sides towards each other. And one of the things is a lot of fraternity people, they are people who got evicted from Serenity server. So I don't know how much that played in part with it. But so basically we got like evicted by fraternity and then we joined test. And then we fought with test and and test one that war and then we got almost from that now the and and is an army of mangoes and fraternity are basically the, the the tranquility versions of the two big groups on serenity as well is that correct or am i a little off there they're like bob and goons back in the day i believe uh, i mean right now like loosely, we are not, loosely. We're, we're not their size it's just size is not correct at least they're way bigger in, right. Yeah, I'm not talking size. I'm just talking general geopolitical uh, leanings type thing. Basic hatred of each other. Yeah, basically. Okay. There is, yeah. We, we don't see a weight that will clear, clear up anytime. Uh, not anytime soon, not anytime in the future. There's no way uh, that would be blue with fraternity. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, here's a comment. Is like the blue donut sappy. Uh, Real quick, the Blue Donut thing, we had a really interesting episode. I'm sure it's lost to history now, uh, but 
where Shen explained actually that on Serenity, the people that won the server and took it over and created uh, basically a Pax Romana, where they pacified the server and dealt with little uprisings here and there, was the one group that was singular. And so the equivalent to that on Tranquility would be if the Imperium wins, that singular group takes over the entire map and then suppresses everybody else. That's what went on in Serenity. Uh, the, yeah. the group that lost yeah. was the coalition of smaller alliances that were up against the big alliance. Go ahead, Shen. So, yeah, I think just like Mara said, uh, it's the whole coalitional fleet attacking PIBC. And at that time, PIBC was too big to fail. And we basically won the battle for nine. And I think, I think over two months, we clear out most of the NOSIC. So we, yeah. we were kind of burning uh, the content really quickly. Yeah. But so that's when I think a lot of people flee from Serenity to Tranquility. Uh, yeah. And also, after that, there was like a lot of NPC, no, NBC, no, like uh, cleaning and wormhole cleaning and stuff like that, but there's small fights uh, compared to like the big, big ones. So, I mean, if, if we're looking at a post-war scenario, we can have Serenity. This is going to be really funny because I'm, I'm flipping it on its head. Uh, the, what people say, if Imperium wins, they can literally take over the rest of the map and create Serenity. I mean, I don't think it's that's possible. the case there, right? In, on TQ anyway. Uh, I mean, but, th this is the thing with the difference between Tranquility and Serenity. There's only one time zone in Serenity. So there's no time zone tanking, nothing mm, like that. That's right. It's e either you win or you lose. Uh, it's like, I think a lot of people hate time, time zone tanking. And if you go to Serenity, there's no time zone tanking. It's a form, if you have the if if you have more power, then you win. If you don't, you lose. It's straightforward like that. There's yeah. no trick. Got it. Sutonia, you were saying? I was just saying like I uh I don't think I think goons have said they don't want to uh like conquer all of Nolsec. So we take them at their word and that's okay. All right. Uh I, I don't think they're gonna conquer it either. That's not really their style, but uh but the point is the example of the blue donut or the serenity and all that stuff is actually reverse of what people say here on tranquility. If Imperium wins, that looks more like serenity than if the coalition wins, that looks more like what would have happened if serenity had gone a different way. I'm not sure the outcome of this war could lead to a serenity style situation at all. I think the, the servers are just too different. Yeah, and totally. I think even if, if Imperium like won hard and came out like stronger than they were before, I don't think taking over the whole map would even be viable on the off chance that they wanted to, which they probably don't. Exactly, because of the time zone thing that Shen pointed out and stuff. Yeah, that's why I warned you guys I was going to be facetious. Oh, it's not just that, but there's, a, there's a, like a different culture, right? Like on TQ, a lot, a lot of people love uh, fighting and content a lot more. I think Fulcrum said that that was like a, a big difference mm. between Explain TQ that. and yeah. Serenity. Yeah, I, I agree with that too. So on, on Serenity, there's a lot of people who just like to farm and farm only. So a lot of times you see, like they, if we do a max farm on Tranquility, we will get the same amount of people that we get. Uh, we, if we do a max farm on Serenity, we get the same amount of people we will get on Tranquility, just because a lot of them just don't fight. They just want to craft, and in, on Serenity, we have no problem with that. I guess it's like the philosophy of sandcastle building versus the philosophy of good fights, right? And yeah, a lot of times... A lot of us we, lean more towards we want fights. Yeah, a lot of times we think about, like, in terms of uh, 
safety and efficiency. I don't know. That's what uh, that's what in their mind. Yeah, I'm I'm, yeah, I'm realizing so, I'm on the wrong server. I should be on Serenity, right? Because I want I want people to get along and I want empires to be built and all this other stuff. And, I mean, it's uh, already built. It's already built. Yeah, <laughs> I think I I think I need to be in Serenity where there's peace and farming. Right, that's my background. What would you report on then, Madderall? Ah, Another stories. day, here's your weather. Yeah, Everyone's yeah. getting along. You did weather reports. It worked out. I love weather reports. <laughs> I agree. I feel I mean, like the Eve universe that we're like this universe Eve is set in just doesn't do peace and peace and harmony very well. You know, we despite, never, we, despite the names Arcea. both tranquility and serenity, <laughs> yeah, totally. it is not tranquil. <laughs> it is not serene. It is a place I wouldn't want to live in real life. Because it's a terrible universe where everybody dies. Those are sarcastic. In a video game. Yeah, I mean that's all. That's all for our Eve, though, isn't it? You know, like Providence Eve. and you Eve Eden. players and drama. Name a more we, iconic. Duel. We haven't tried peace yet. You need to give. It, you need to give it a chance. See if you like it. All right, I'll play SimCity. I, uh, mean, <laughs> I mean, with recently there's some sort of drama happening in Serenity, just small political one. Where I mean, we're still in coalition. So there's other alliances. It's basically there's a small fight between two alliances, and PIPs was trying to help out, and one of them just said enough is enough, and they declared war on PIPC. And uh, as you can expect, most of their corp just got transferred to PIPC right away. There's no time to wait, and uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's just no way for anyone to be honest at this point to really like do a flip. I think just too much weight, too, too much weight on top of them. Okay. All right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, says that I'm a death stranding fan. Uh, that is absolutely true. Not a very peaceful place, but it's tranquil. Um, okay. So let's move on to the big story. And this is uh, scarcity and, uh, the, what was it? July update that came out. Um, can you describe what was in that? Uh, do you guys want to, so then we can talk about it, Kenneth. Do you want, do you want my okay. cynical point of view? All right. Yeah, go ahead. I'll start there. So it was a lot of words for not a lot of new information, but it was communication, which I appreciated. Different style too. Did you pick up on that? I picked up a different uh, style. A little she bit of... She probably didn't. She's used to reading that style. Uh, all, all the time. Yeah. A little bit funnier. A little bit... Uh, I can usually pick up when Elise writes something because he puts a lot of good memes in them. Or yeah. CCP Swift. Yeah, his fingerprints it. were all over this, I thought. I didn't. I didn't want he, to say his he name. got. He got marketized, I believe. Now, I haven't talked to him because uh, he's in the middle of moving right now. But yeah. I, I think he got. Uh, he 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 probably had some of that in there, and it got um, corporate, you know, it, corporatized type thing. Oh, okay. So they yeah sanitized whatever he put in a little bit, but he definitely had some. Uh, I could see some uh, strains of his de of his uh, fingerprints on it. Go ahead. That's one thing I, I learned after I joined the CSM and why the dev blogs kind of slowed down after a while, because the way that CCP treats a dev blog versus a forum post versus a news article is vastly different. I'm not going to go into the differences because I don't know if I can say that, but the way that they treat them is vastly different, which is why the number of dev blogs have gone down and you get more news items and forum posts now, like, hey, we're changing this, it's available on Sissy, especially from Talos. Um, you know, you just got that forum post of this, what's going on, go check it out on Sissy. And that's all due to how CCP handles the different communications. 
Yeah, that's Team Talos, which is specialized in ecosystem and balance. Those t the, their announcements is what you're saying. But I will say that they have been beaten over the head by the CSM for probably the better part of six to eight months to put something out. Um, we had the the note that um, CCP Ritati put out at the end of the year last year, um, you know, kind of acknowledging scarcity and what was going on. And basically the day after that thing was put out, we started beating them up for this. And you know, it yeah. took six months, but um, it's just that, you know, they don't want to over promise and under deliver. Yeah, but at yeah. the same time, you have to let people know that's, what's going on. To, that's to, still, you know, yeah, yeah. That's still 2011 hangover, isn't it? Over promise and under deliver because Incarna didn't really deliver and they had been, you know, ambulation was supposed to be this big thing. They still suffer from that, from being burned so hard. You know, I, I look at that as that, that's ancient history. It, I mean, look at the player base. How many of us were really around at that time? You know, it's yeah. time to move on. Give these folks a chance. I think but, they're heading in the right direction. But don't you think it's like burned into the DNA of Kenneth, we can't hear you. their behavior? He's talking to someone off screen. Yeah, oh, okay. my wife's yeah. trying to find a, a piece of luggage to take on the trip tomorrow. So, oh, okay, my bad. The, uh, it seems burned into their DNA, and it, it kind of accounts for a lot of the way that CCP now reacts to players, where they're very, very eager to make sure they're listening to the player base, right? They're very eager to have that communication that players complained about in 2011. They heard, they felt, players felt shut out by the process, and um, they felt that they were over-promised, and uh, they didn't get their money's worth when Incarnate came out and didn't work as well as uh, it was supposed to. Again, something we've covered before on shows about uh, the Summer of Rage. Uh, anyway, so I, I feel like, uh, as Kenneth was saying, that they're very cautious about saying what they're going to do. Everything they say they're going to do, they pretty much have done, or they're very determined to make it happen, and they don't really talk about the future, and that frustrates players who want a roadmap. Tell us where you're going to go. Excite us about the future so we know we want to stick around. And this There's was actually... Go ahead. The closest thing we've seen is this thing to a, to a roadmap. Go ahead, Nick. No, I was just going to say about the roadmap. I've yacked with a couple of different people, and there's definitely two two schools of thought on that. You know, the folks that would like to see what the future holds, and then there's the other camp, which is freaking surprise me. And um, it's not a 50-50 by any stretch. The uh, surprise me group is considerably smaller, but I find that rather interesting thoughts. Okay, so what's in... I was going to say, I do think expectation management mm -hmm. is very important because a lot of the times that I've seen people most upset with the game and the most amount of people that I've known that have left the game have been the times when something was hyped up and then it sucked, right? Like, oh, like, the, like the ending of the invasions or in Karna uh, and the aforementioned Karna and things like that. Something, when something gets hyped up, like it's going to be this amazing thing, and then you end up getting screwed over, is like worse, way worse than just something that's kind of so-so coming out, right? That you expect it to be so-so. Oh, that's or, or you a mean point. A certain video from a certain company published on a certain Wednesday? <laughs> the Alliance Tournament. Um, I mean, I take your I point, though. kind of mishandled, but like, yeah. I don't think that's in the same league as some of the other things. Yeah. Like, that was like, yeah, yeah. that could have been a dev blog, but like at the same time, I think there's been 
worse. Well, I, <laughs> like, I think like what you said is of, like the ending of the innovations once again. What you said is really interesting. I haven't heard it before, but it makes a lot of sense when when people are let down by the game, by a feature that they're looking forward to. Especially when it's like something they put in a lot of effort to see like like the culmination of and then the culmination is kind of like Yeah. That's when they say, do I really want to stick with this game? So they might see people leave. Interesting. Like I saw the most people leave at the, uh, I was obviously only like playing for one year or one and a half years or maybe two years when Incarnate came out. But like, yeah, with the end of the invasions, I saw, I saw a lot of people just, I don't want to, I don't want to be here anymore. This was, I worked so hard and I got nothing. Oh, that is so interesting. I haven't heard that. Uh, okay. So in this uh, blog, I'll bring it up real quick. Uh, there's a few chapters to it, basically. And this is why Rain said there's a whole lot of words, but not a lot of new stuff. Uh, the first thing you see here is a healthy ecosystem. So they talk about that. Uh, they talk about economy and industry, where they actually do make some announcements here about uh, scarcity firmly ends quadrant four 2021. We'll talk about that in just a second. Uh, then they actually talk about balance and progress. And they talk about the stuff they actually have already put in but they also go on to talk about some of the stuff that's coming uh, later on. And uh, including, I believe there is, um, that's uh, including some super capital stuff, uh, some stuff to do with PVE, which may have something to do with the war. Then you have the uh, EVE Online uh, Academy, and this is more of a new player stuff. They're trying to help new players. And then the Alliance Tournament. And so this is a big thing. And then, of course, the, the next step is this Finally, we can't wait to see you in person in 2022 to talk more about even what's coming up for the game. That's a cryptic little message. Maybe I can use that Iceland uh, air flight credit I have from 2020 yeah. when it was canceled. Yeah, same. Right. Yeah, one thing about that statement, it says in person, not just we wait, we, we can't wait to talk to you about it, but it says in person. That's a hint. Eve, Eve meets are super fun and I've missed them. Oh, can I plug an Eve meet real quick? Eve New Orleans, uh, what, August 12, 13, 14, 15, something like that. Yeah. Uh, come, come on down and eat some crawfish with us. You going, Rain? Yeah. Oh, Me cool. and Kenneth are going to go. Yeah, Delana's from there, so she'll be there. I think Pro God's from the area, so he'll be probably around. Pro God, uh, DJ from PL. Um, yep, he's in the area. I think Creature lives down there from Test. Hmm. Yeah, one of their uh, FCs. I'm sure there'll be some goons around somewhere. Be safe, be vaccinated, wear a mask. Yes, any of that stuff. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the big part here is there was a, a section called economy and industry, and that's why we want to talk to you industrialists about that. And uh, first, um, maybe Kenneth, since you're on the CSM, if you want to just uh, broaden up the topic, uh, what are we looking at here with changes that are coming for the economy and industry? Okay, well, I, I mean, obviously, you can't talk about that stuff, you know, what's actually coming, but just reading into what's being said here. Scarcity firmly ends in quarter four, 2021. That does not mean back to work was online of 2018, right? I, I talked about this, uh, I think, on the Friday show. Right now, CCP knows exactly how many minerals and how many input items are used every day. And the goal will be to, at some point, get to a, stake, 
to a um, hum, uh, homogenous isn't the right word, but get to a point where the amount mined and the amount used per day is roughly equal. Right now, we're at a point where the amount of minerals and ore available is much less than what's used. So the stockpiles that were built up are all going down. Now, I don't think in quarter four, we're going to get all the way back to 100% so that the amount mined is equal to the amount used. I'm sure they're going to creep up on that number. I can say that freely because they haven't told us that number yet. So this is, this is purely me just speculating, but I'm speculating somewhere in the 80 to 85% range. But then you look at one of the bullet points and it says, rework of the industrial index, including greater choice over the distribution of resources. So at that point, if CCP gets us up to 80 or 85%, and then people can start tweaking what they have available to them using a new mechanic and the new industrial index rework, then maybe they get to 100% that way, and everyone's 100% looks a little bit different based on what they want, what they need, where they're living, that kind of stuff. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not just, okay, quarter four is here, open the floodgates, put all the anomalies back in and all that stuff. It's going to be a controlled process to put that stuff back in the game for sure. I just want T1 battleships to be cheaper than hacks after insurance. Say again? I mean, they, they already are right now, right? It's cheaper to uh, lose a battle, like the base battleship hole than a hack right now. I Once you get the insurance so. back. Yeah. Last yeah. Time oh, a T1 battleship is definitely cheap. It's cheaper than it was pre-blog. Um, it's not cheaper than it was pre-war, but it's it's getting there quickly. Yeah. I'm, I'm just going off of the, the, the fighting we had in Poshren before where the Typhoons cost way more than the Cerberuses. Mm. We did look at the battleships, uh, by the way. All battleships are equivalent to before the announcement of uh, the expansion of uh, production, except two, the Minmatar. There's two Minmatar ones that aren't quite there yet. Is one of yes. them the Typhoon? Well, okay, and so we're talking about GITA value and pricing and this kind of stuff. That's all great. I strictly rely on build price, right? I don't care if it costs $200 million to build it and some crayon munchers putting them in Jita <laughs> for $600 million and people buy them, good on him. But if someone that's buying something isn't smart enough to realize, hey, I'm paying 200% markup here, well, then they get what they deserve. But I'm strictly going on, on price to build here because you can't, you can't rely on someone marking something up in Jita. Oh, the Typhoon's overpriced. Well, internally, we built to... them all ourselves. So, okay. Well, then, then the typhoon build price is about three or four percent more than the rest, but it's by no means a scale tipper, and they are less than the cost of immunity now. The guns will be a little bit more, and more fight is horribly expensive, which will push the large gun price up much more than the medium guns. But they yeah, still like shouldn't the be fish, crazy, yeah. and Tech One Insurance should make up for that. Uh, by a considerable amount. I wasn't going by the full fit ship, so like the guns and the mods are going to definitely factor into that because the guns are a lot more expensive. Hmm. Speaking of Morphite, you're a Morphite king, aren't you, Kenneth? You sit a, yeah, didn't you sit your I, throne I on a, a lot of it. 
You sit, uh, do you have a throne that sits on a pile of morphite? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down to a few million, though, so it's, it's, that throne's getting closer to the ground for <laughs> yeah. sure. You're getting closer to the ground. I'm still living off morphite that we mined back in tribute. Wow. So, Khan, um, how does this affect you? Have you read the blog, and, and are you making any... Uh, adjustments to your you're kind of a low sec uh mining gang kind of gameplay well i i do kind of both i do high sec and i do low sec um as far as the update goes it's really not gonna change much of what i do and it doesn't really like get me excited the, the fact that there's going to be more asteroids and belts i mean it's cool but usually in low sec i'm i'm in anomalies i'm not really usually in the belts themselves um and the only real thing I personally am excited about is the 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 moon ore compression factor or feature. That's really gonna help um, logistic wise if I ever like mine outside of the main system that I live in. Um, but I am excited for this update for new players. Uh, the moon ore compression is gonna allow them to be able to mine a little bit better. Uh, and be able to haul it to wherever they need to go. Uh, I've heard a lot of new guys, whoever who, who usually mine in like coveters or retrievers, have a issue with not being able to reprocess and move it to where they need to go. With this update, it's going to allow them to compress it and move it, you know, pretty easily. Um, and then also too, I am a little interested in this new uh, redistribution industrial index. Um, a little bit of speculation, and I'm thinking that CCP is doing, if they do add it to HiSec, is maybe they'll do like an iHub that's similar to Faction Warfare, where you can donate um, like, a, like a deposit. Like To give you an example, in Faction Warfare, you have the infrastructure hub that you can donate LP to. That increases the, the, the uh, LP level or LP payout that you gain. Um, I'm kind of thinking that maybe they might add that to HiSec in a way to where the HiSec people that live in that system to increase the resources can maybe put in something there to, you know, increase the industrial value, possibly. Yeah, maybe. But um, that's the, that's really the only two things that kind of excite me, I guess what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think uh, when we were looking at this early on, we looked at it as, yeah, it's a production, it's a stretching of production materials needed to build stuff for ships. We also saw it as kind of a jobs program for newer players, because now there's a lot of things that count. If you want to mine gas, that's a whole different gameplay for mining that stuff. PI is a different gameplay. Uh, mining ice, similar to mining ore, but different circumstances, different availability. So there was different ways. And then, of course, salvage and uh, getting all that kind of stuff. It just seemed like there was uh, an opening up of opportunities to actually do the harvesting as opposed to the building. You guys seen any any of that play out? Uh, for sure. The number of people that Thanks, contact Rainf. me, hey, do you want to buy this? Do you want to buy that? Have definitely gone up. Different people. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, oh, okay. I probably have gained 10 or 12 sources for different materials. There you go, Rain. There you go. I saw your head, <laughs> your head shaking. No, but that's what yeah. I was. That's what I was looking for was are more people opening up their little shop and trying to negotiate prices with builders and stuff. So, well, it's that, I, and some of it's also, Oh, sorry for interrupting rain. Some of it's also targeted where I don't want to throw my stuff on the market for the off chance. It goes to group X that I don't like. Yeah. I will say as somebody, so I have a Rorical and I, 
I only have a Roracle because I'm using it as a combat Roracle. But there have been times where, like, I know with my group with PL, they'll be like, hey, guys, we're going to go mining. Does anyone want to join? So I'll do it as, like, a social thing. So I'll go out to, like, whatever system they need and I'll mine. And I granted, I'm really terrible at it and I have no idea what I'm doing. But in those instances, it's really nice to have people like Kenneth around. And I know all alliances have someone like this, like a buyback program where, you know, I have no idea what I'm doing. So I just mine and I just talk to my friends. But then I can dock somewhere, trade it to someone. And instead of it just sitting in my hangar like like I do when I do exploration, it just kind of sits there and nobody uses it. I can actually give it to someone and then they can use it for the betterment of, you know, the alliance. And I get some reimbursement or whatever. Yeah. Now, granted, we don't do that as much anymore because of the war, because of scarcity. But I'm looking forward to some of that social aspect coming back. One of those things that popped in and uh, Tigri in chat asks about uh, differences changes in the mining ships. And I noticed in the blog, it says a balance pass for all mining ships. Hold, hold, hold so your currently thought. That's, wait, wait, hold, okay. your, hold your thought, because that's a different topic. Uh, let me just go to Arcia, and then we'll go to Nick. Go ahead. Arcia. I was just going to say that um, I, I mostly agree with Rain. Uh, it, mining is made tolerable through social activity. And even then, like, I'll only mine, like, Crokite or, like, R64s. Um, because anything else just kind of isn't worth my time. Uh, and I, I do also tr like beg the people who actually build stuff to just buy it off me because I, I hate like pulling ore that you can't compress to Jita. <laughs> you can compress the Crokite, but not the, uh, the Moon Ore. And okay. that's going to change, thankfully. But uh, yeah, so if you have pe people who you can do it with, uh, mm -hmm. it, it's a lot more tolerable. And then when you're like multi-boxing your like four miners or whatever, you can at least talk to people, but it's usually not like a otherwise boring activity just to kind of up your risk amount. Con, you're a big, uh, uh, what gang of miners kind of player. You were about to say something. I cut huh? you off. Were you about to say something? Right, what were you saying? Well, the, the big the big deal with the uh, with the moon goo compression right is the fact that you can get the minerals out of it a lot easier now. A lot of the moon goo was already uh, quite compact anyway. Like if you just reprocess like an R sixty four for example, a lot of the materials from that is very easy to transport as it is. Uh, the main thing is that with with mining R fours is that uh, a lot of the like minerals in there, like the pyrite and the mexilin, I think it is. Uh, that stuff's pretty bulky part of it. So now you'll be able to uh, compress uh, compress that and then get that where you actually want it, where you're building stuff. Because if you compress it locally, normally what happens is you can move out the hydrocarbons pretty easily. So they, they can just fit inside a cloaky hauler normally, even from like a full yield, uh, like six week uh, harvest. You can easily put it in just a DST or just a cloaky hauler like a Vieta. But the, the big thing that you're stuck with is the pyrite and the mexilin, which is really annoying to move. But with compression, you'll now be able to get those uh, basic ores uh, back to where you actually you're actually building stuff yeah uh, or minerals sorry yeah real quick uh wormia says a point uh, gate camping is like mining it's a social thing and now there's more gate camping going on because of some of the changes they made to the game recently okay if we're finished with that i want to go back to nick that uh you were saying something about ships and cargo oh specifically i, I wanted to address thoughts on you know what some of the folk may have um, on one of the items mentioned is a balance pass for all mining ships. And they said all. And that obviously goes from the Rourke all the way down to, you know, the smallest mining frigate you got. Venture. What? Yeah. 
well, and even some of the, uh, anyway, not important. Thoughts on the changes specifically geared toward Rourke and Orca, the bed industrial commands. Do you think they're going to go back to industrial command or just be bigger mining ships? I mean, one of the things that people say as a problem for the Orca is people said they're solo minded in the in high sec uh, the main reason that happens is all those other uh, barges are too thinking uh, too thin in their paper tank right so like it takes one catalyst to pop a coveter right if you make those barges tankier then people will choose to sit in a barge and sit in orca i mean the yield is about the same to be honest with the augmented drones on orca but it's like 10 times 50 times more expensive than coveter fitted right but yep. with the balance pass i mean anything goes right i mean this is this is look at the tech one industry that was basically a redo they took 2003 and ripped that shit up took it outside put it in a bonfire poured gasoline on it and lit <laughs> the match uh you know you can you can look at this right because once you redo industry, they've redone the genetics of the ore itself, and now they're working on mining. People right now, and in, the, in general, their minds are thinking like 2018 just transposed to now. But you have to look at what they did to the DNA of the ore, what they did to Tech One industry, and think about all this stuff in that frame of mind not, hey, we're just moving moon goo and gas compression over. We're just increasing the quantity of resources. We're just doing a little balance pass. Oh, yeah. So you change this bonus from 1% to 2% thing. Think of it as taking the mining ships outside, ripping them all up, pouring gasoline on them, lighting them on fire and starting over. So think, think, think more along those lines. Broaden your horizons a lot. Ooh. Oh, my my mind's racing now with just crazy <laughs> ideas. Just try not to use all the tin foil, you know, people still need it to cook with. But but I mean a lot of a lot of what I've seen is all like, you know, this and that, but people aren't opening their minds nearly enough. One thing I do hope they do is they take away the fleet hanger for the Orca. And if they are gonna make it like a, a command ship, you know, combine that fleet hanger maybe with the ore hold and just allow people to drop directly into the ore hold instead of having the orca have to move it from the fleet hangar back to the ore hold you know and that well, would help he, no i was gonna say i i like where your head's at on that but i wouldn't if it's going to remain an industrial command ship it would still need the fleet hangar for distribution of things going back to the fleet um and you know i could see that but allowing of you know your mining fleet to drop directly into your ore hold, I could see that as a plus. And taking away the fleet hanger uh, nerfs the orca in non-mining applications. Uh, if you're using like an orca to li live out of like an orca with a cloak to live out of like uh, somewhere, you can use it. You can like yeet it out and use it as like a mobile base, base to store stuff or to ref refit off of and such. I see a lot of people run two orcas and they uh, refit off of each other. And, and uh, like high, high sec, high sec uh, 
war deck shenanigans where you like the aggress, put your ship in the orca and leave. That's that's the ship maintenance bay, but that's yeah, that's that's a whole different topic yeah. that needs to get fixed. The same with the bowhead, but we can we can yeah. argue that later. By the way, do you see uh, incursion guys are getting uh, their bowheads destroyed with all their stuff in it, and it's huge paydays for that kind of thing. So much so that the incursion guys have had to change corporations and are probably going to have to change alts uh, just to just to wipe away that history of being super rich and uh, vulnerable as they transport themselves at different incursions. Well, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Be careful. Like if, you're, if you have something so expensive, you have to be careful with it. Scout your, have somebody scout for you if you don't have like another scout character. Oh yeah. Some of those, those things have amazing tanks. If you actually tank them instead of right. put cargo expanders on them. Yeah, they do. Yeah, have they have do. Webers and scouts. And yeah. I mean, this isn't just a basket of eggs. It it's like a once. chicken farm. For, you know, we're talking chicken farm prices are like tens, hundreds of billions uh, destroyed in, in one in one cargo vessel because the stuff in there is so valuable. I mean, if you put a hundred bill into a single freighter, then uh, that's on you. Yeah, that's, that's and, and also the choices. And the bullets only almost use like high sec or low sec. And also like when you can use capitals to to jump around and the uh, Ship maintenance bay on uh, on bowhead is not that much larger than a capital ship, to be honest, in general. I mean, you can use capitals in Losec too to jump around. Yeah, safer in Losec. I, I used my, to use a Archon to just move my, a lot of my ships um, between stations. My, my largest gank it was a bowhead for sure by quite a bit. Well, a bowhead's uh, just to explain to people who aren't familiar, a bowhead is uh, a type of freighter, but basically it carries ships that are already put together with modules in it. And it's like a suitcase for an arsenal of ships that a person has. So incursion runners like this because they can transport their uh, little uh, arsenal and, and groups of ships all put together and ready to go. And for the Royal Call, I, I would actually like to see like, the Rogue's role to be separated out into two, like one is for boosting, and maybe they can introduce another ship that's only used for mining. So people, so there's a distinguished difference between the two. So people have a choice instead of just changing the one and then, like, if you have to take away one thing, there will be a group of people complain. Okay, I did see a bowhead get ganked and it had some valuable stuff in it, but the stuff that's really valuable is actually not traveling in bowheads; it's traveling in. Blockade runners. My bad. Or just a prospect, you mean? <laughs> well, I've seen incursion people. Weren't that recent kill mail? But yeah. yeah. Blockade runners are the ones that you can't scan, so people just sometimes gank them on a hunch. Just assume. They could be empty, yeah. but... Uh, yeah. Just... Just, because uh, you can't scan them, you can't see what's inside of them. Yeah, actually, people, people complained them. about that, too, saying like, hey, now you've made me a target every time, instead of you know, and that was part of the design was was yeah. to make it dangerous for you to be in high sec. Yeah, I mean, if you put anything, let's say, in a blocker runner or deep space transport, you're basically telling people I have something that's very important that has high value that I'm transporting. You're telling I mean, people that, and of course, you're going to be a king. Uh, I, I, I mean, DSTs aren't always high value. I, I well, not, not maybe not the deep space transport, but definitely it's blocker runner. I'm gonna bring oh, blockade in blockade runners. Uh, I use two for like going really fast because if you fit like two hyperspatials on them, they warp like twelve AU a second. So I'm bringing in Ren, who uh, who is a little more familiar with that 
story of uh so what has happened is both major incursion communities they didn't have an official alliance but a lot of the fcs were in the same alliance and the gankers have worked it out so now the blockade runners which are usually fairly safe because you can't cargo scan them are getting popped left right and center from those alliances because they're expected to have a huge amount of visc in them so... the bowheads are mostly safe because they know that the ships inside them are unfit and that because of that they're not worthwhile shooting well, you, you can put fit ships inside a bowhead. Yes, but incursion runners do not do that, at least at the FC level and the level where the what, gank What he means is they take the mods off. They just yeah. leave the rigs on. So they're fit, but rigs, but all the abyssal mods and all that kind of stuff, that's what they put in the blockade runner. Oh. But people are still ganking boats. And they're getting decloaked by a, so, like a lot of stuff or something on the gate? No, they're ganking blockade runners. So blockade runners are usually safe because people don't know what they're in. So it takes 140 mil worth of tornado to gank a blockade runner, and it might be empty. They're ganking these ones specifically because they know they're incursion runner blockade runners, so that they but know that they're going to have something in them. They're like, hitting them on ga on structures mainly as they're landing on NPC stations. They're not warping to like a bookmark. Uh, a few of them got done like that. A few of them were just stupid and doing various things a bit slow. Like, I mean, pro yeah. tip, by the way, uh, if you actually train uh, the uh, the fleet formation scale to level 5 to get the relative fleet formation warp, if you relative warp yourself to a station, you always land at 0 meters from it, and you can always immediately dock. So, so the pro tip. That's really good. I didn't yeah. Know. The other thing is, too, is if you're cloaked and you warp to a gate and you land between 2,500 and 2,000, then it will slow boat you to inside 2000 before you decloak. So you can't do this in low sec because of smart bombs. But if you're in high sec, when you warp cloak and you're warping cloak, decloak mid warp. That way, if you land at 2300, you'll just jump the gate because you're less than 2500, but you're outside of 2000. So you wouldn't have decloaked right away. And there's a lag in there when they can actually target you because you've used your propulsion once you decloak. So you also have to be careful with that. Uh, that doesn't work in low because then they can see you to smart bomb you. You want to stay cloaked as long as possible. But so there's a, other tricks in there with that. The other issue with your blockade runner is it's not a sub one second align. So ultra lockers can catch you if you're a little bit laggy with your internet connection. If, and because they tend, ultra lockers only go for people they know they're going to have is because they're going to get blown up straight away. So that alliance that the, these guys are in, they're getting targeted because they know that they're going to have is skin. Nice. All right. I, I love these pro tips. All right. So that's the yep. uh, interesting stuff's going on with uh, incursion runners. Uh, I think we finished up the. Was there anything else on the industrial side of things that we wanted to cover? There's definitely a lot of stuff in here. There's one more thing, actually. Uh, I'll just read it real quick. Increased quantity of all resources across New Eden. So they're going to work with those dials, as you said. Introduction to moon goo and compression. We've talked about that. The balance pass for all mining ships. And you told us what, you know, how to think of it. Don't be so limited. Uh, additional specialization for gas and ice holds. That's part of the ship rebalance. And then a rework of industrial index, including greater choice over distribution of resources. I'm not sure how to interpret that one. But, well, that that was part of my speculation earlier. I'm sorry, oh, to minute. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it's good. Interrupt me. Uh, all right. Well, so those are the things that they're going to change. But there was another thing a little bit later where they talked about anomalies for 
super uh, key. Just before that, I think yeah. they also said like T2 is safe. So they are not going to change T2 ship industry oh. anytime soon. Actually, let's put some focus on that because uh, it's a very important here. T2. Here it is. The current state yeah. of T2 ship industry is good. And there are no plans on making any immediate changes on that front. Kenneth, what do you know about that? Yeah, the, the T1 industry blog had at the very end that, you know, T2 ship industry is next. And there again, that was kind of one of those things where it was a covering your base type thing because there was some concern about the T1 changes, sending T2 sideways and this kind of stuff. And it, it just never happened. Um, so I pushed for this statement to be in there because I know there's a lot of trepidation amongst some of the Tech 2 ship producers specifically um, as far as Morphite being so expensive. Um, how are they going to mess up Moon Goo and stuff in the middle? And a lot of that's going to be balanced through the increased quantity of all resources across New Eden rather than going through and taking the T2 ship industry out back ripping it up into shreds, pouring gasoline on it, lighting the match. <laughs> and at, at this point, that would probably be um, very premature. And, and Tech 2 has made it through this um, relatively unscathed, and it's in a decent place price-wise. Now, I know people probably aren't going to agree with me that when they see Marauders and Black Ops, but Marauders and Black Ops also just got a huge increase in in overall power, um, although Marauders just took it on the chin a little bit uh, last oh. week, but um, overall, I think I think it's all in a in a fairly healthy place. You know, tweaks, yeah, we can we can talk about that separately, but overall, it's in a healthy place. So now T two modules, yeah, that they need some love, but that's why it specifically says ship industry. I don't know that there's time and devs and and all that for T2 modules, but I'm still pushing for the Tech 2 Capital modules because they are they are really in a goofy place. But I don't I don't think I'm going to have a lot of success to be honest with you. Right, Nick. Okay, oh, good. Go ahead. No, no, good to go, man. He hit everything I wanted to say. All right, <laughs> all right, go. I saw you light up. Um, well, go ahead, Ren. The obvious thing was T1 was kind of all over the place with Titans and Supers being relatively easier to build than, say, a T2 frigate. So that was going to always be changed and fixed at some point. Whereas if you look at T2, there's nothing that obviously sticks out as completely wrong, except for some minor moon goose pointing to the wrong direction. So I think until you can start pointing out something that's completely wrong with T2, that they're not going to touch it and focus on something a bit more interesting. All right, there's one last thing I wanted to hit. Uh, anybody, anybody else got a thing? No, I just want to say, you know, Ren, Ren's right. I mean, it's, you know, you, 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 need to, you need to smack the stuff that's really wrong. The, the stuff that he's talking about is more tweaks, that kind of stuff. And we, you know, you don't need a full-on patch and all to, to, to adjust the, the tweaking part of it. Okay. Yeah, there's part of the blog that says uh, adding new specialized uh, ice and gas uh bays to, to new ships mm -hmm. or something like that, specialized mm -hmm. uh, bays. So I, I hope they make a uh, a Kaldari industrial and call it the Penguin because we <laughs> need the Penguin. 
The ice? Oh my god, that'd be so cute. <laughs> you heard it here. You can, you can already put ice and gas in the miasmus, though, right? So probably doesn't make sense to add a, a new one. But... Uh, I thought it was going to be a trick-laving T1 industry ship. So be really oh my god. Cool. Oh, actually, oh, actually yeah, have, I think... As I say, they actually have that like uh, trick-laving hauler thing in the game. and it was, Exactly. Like, it, it scales with like how much stuff is inside it or something. Like the model like scales based on like how big it is so it's, it's big and then when it puts down a thing it, it goes smaller again i don't know i was thinking more in the lines of an edencom one that when you jettison it actually throws out five different cans no what we need is edencom Lodgy that has bouncing beams but um yes, or, or the triglavian the triglavian hauler that uh goes faster the, the longer you fly around not docking <laughs> Kind of cool. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I think a lot of this, though, that 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 specific thing there for the induction introduction of holds is going to be more, and and I'm actually I better not say anything because I'm not sure, <laughs> but just they could use that to tune um, mining ships, right? So yeah. if they want this ship to be more for gas than ice, they can give it a big gas hold, a really small ice hold, a small ore hold type thing, but. So they won't restrict you from from mining the other things, but it just won't be one gigantic jack of all trades. Yeah. So for example, right now, right, you have the endurance, which is a tech two venture that's specialized towards uh, mining ice, and then you have the prospect, which is the cloaky one that's it, it mines the same gas as the venture, and the endurance doesn't get the gas bonus. That way, you could like I don't know, you could buff the ice hold on the endurance without necessarily making it better at mining gas or better at mining ore, you know, in its like specialized role. And then for the same for the prospect, like you could give it a bigger gas hold if you wanted to without like changing uh, like its ice hold or its ore hold. So you like give each one like its own little niche. Well, the uh, ore ships used to have a niche. I remember that. So yeah, you know, they, they got the two-sided two there, right? And then they, they got moved into like a little specialization now. Cause I know the skiff used to be like for, for deep core mining, for mining Mexilin, yeah. oh, sorry, Mercotza, and then no, the Nakanor the... used to be ice, right? And then the, the Hulk used to be just the best one for ore, but then they just changed that around for Tiracide so that the uh, the, the Mackinon Retriever had the biggest ore hold, the Procurer and the Skiff are the tankiest, and then the Hulk and Corvetta mine the most. Yeah, that, yep, I remember that. Not happy about it, but yeah. <laughs> well, the... Uh... It used to be if you mined a certain thing, uh, it would actually explode on you because it would overheat. Yeah, well, that still happens. It's a uh, deep core mining, right? If yeah. you, uh, but the the explosion is so weak that it doesn't really matter. To be honest, like I think the cloud does like thirty DPS if you sit in it. It's oh, like wow. really pathetic. Like even if you put a rookie ship in it, it takes it like two minutes to die. <laughs> so I it's... mean, that change was great. Procure is not a great combat ship, right? <laughs> well, so. If we go back to something being obviously wrong, having gas in capitals and being able to... I, the reason I think gas went into capitals was that in, wormhole industry basically doesn't exist. Like, you got T3 industry, but T3s aren't really being... Well, they weren't being built at the time. So that industrial people who are in wormholes, they didn't really exist, and all they did was they ship everything in from Jeta. So I think one of the reasons gas went into capitals was to give a reason to do industry and wormholes but i think it's proven that wormholers typically aren't really interested in doing industry and it's caused a huge bottleneck to make bigger ships with trying to haul the gas out of 
the wormholes. So this is where you can see there's an obvious issue that CCP are going to look at fixing is A, making gas easier to mine, and B, getting it out of wormholes easier. I can, well, well, I can see that as nature. being a side effect, you know, that it makes, but as far as being a reason CCP did that, no, it was to place the gas into caps is to decouple it from the mineral market uh, being solely, you know, resourced there. And that was an underused thing. Now, the, you're right. The side effect is the effects it's had on the, the wormhole folk. So I tried to do industry in wormholes for a while, and you couldn't compete with anyone because NullSec gets jump freighters and various sub-advantages anyway. And then you got issues with system indexes, and then you got issues with if your thing gets popped, you're going to lose a lot more. So wormhole industry kind of didn't work, so I had to go back to NullSec because of that. So when I heard about gas going into capitals, I was like, I'm going to go do this, I'm going to go, go do this. And then I realized most of those issues still exist, like getting it out of wormholes is still going to be too much of an issue. So I think that's where a lot of these changes are going to look at fixing. Yeah, gas compression in this case. Yeah. So you don't have to do the industry in the wormhole itself. You can just uh, compress it and sell it to someone like Kenneth. <laughs> be another one of his suppliers. Just for some backstory, I was doing some research about, it might have been two weeks ago, I went to GEDA, and what I did, I went to Eve Cookbook, I put in an ME10 Revelation, and I put, give me the full Monty, and then I made a buy list out of that. Went to GEDA, imported my buy list, and just started hitting the little number tab in the right for, for quantity, and when I got to 12, what do you think the first item is that I ran out of that I could no longer buy to build revelations? The gas. Tritanium. Nope. Water. Ah, oh, I did hear that. You can't build uh, like core temperature regulators or something. You need uh, you need two hundred fifty of them to go into a capital one, and there's like not there's like something like you could buy out of Jitter if you try to build like twenty dreads or something. Yeah, so all this talk about gas and blah, 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 because I think I got to like 26 of them before I ran out of gas. So that's like millions and millions of water before I'd ever run out of gas. Now, that's just Jita, and I, I really cringe when I use that reference to Jita because Jita isn't Jita for anyone who's played more than a couple years. But... That is the state right now. That almost mimics NullSec, but I can lean on some friends that have, you know, 20,000 people who, if we say, hey, we need lots of water, pretty soon I'll drown, right? So um, that, that kind of stuff still exists, but the, the, the gas is typically not the problem that I'm seeing right now. So I tend to disagree a little bit with that because... If you're ever going to build cap, you're not going to ever do it in high sec because you can't. So buying water in Jita because it's so bulky, that water will never make it into a cap where some of the other stuff in Jita might. The water in Jita will make it to other high sec uh, different versions of PI further down the chain. So because you're running out of water in Jita, it's like, well, who cares? That's not where the water's needed. And you never, like I've put entire freighter loads of P1T, PI through wormholes to get it out. You're never going to be jump freighting P1 PI around. Uh, if you're in a bind, you might, but that that mimics what I'm seeing right now. I, I have a much easier time getting gas than I do PI. 
Okay, uh, let's finish up the last part that was interesting. I don't know if you guys find it interesting, but I think a lot of people will. In this July update is the paragraph that says existing NullSec, oops, sorry, updates for existing NullSec anomalies, including the addition of capital anomalies, a new high, high, high reward NullSec PVE feature to get capitals out there. What do you guys think of that? That's exciting. That's the trash. <laughs> that's the what, Jen? That's the hope right now. I mean, that's all we have left. Like, there's no other reason for a person to look forward to anything else beyond the Marauder nowadays. There's no reason for them to get into any capitals. So nowadays, capital is more like the same, in the same spot as the facts beforehand, where it's only used for PvP and big battles. So you rarely see them used on a daily basis. And with introduction of this, you can really see people trying to hit a higher spot than a Marauder. So aspiring to bigger ships is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, capital's getting out there. I mean, the obvious is it creates an opportunity for hunters to go looking for them, right, if they're doing PvE. But it's also a way, essentially, of ratting back in your carrier or maybe even super carrier so yeah and this is the thing i've seen before which is uh, if pve is rewarding and let's say no like anomalies are interesting enough or just rewarding enough people will go out more and do more of them so therefore hunters will have more praise so therefore be more pvp people too so it's like a healthy cycle going forward now it says here strict. Uh, it says null sec anomaly. So I'm wondering, uh, is this? So this is basically null sec anomalies. Let's. It's not wormholes and it's not trig space. Uh, these things yeah. are going to be in well, a null sec. Trig space can't have capitals that weren't already there in the low sec systems You're right. that turn trig. Low sec has level fives that kind of sometimes get capitals into space. Um, I, I thought there were triglavian systems that. We're low so sec. There were low sec triglavian systems, and yeah. there are some caps in them now. But those are the only caps that will ever be in them. Because you can't light a sino to get any more. Can't light a. You can you can bridge out. You can't bridge in. Thank uh, you. You you can't light a sino inside. You can't build a cap inside of Potchven. Um They can't they can't take the gates, uh, but they'll be in in those systems for all eternity unless they jump out. Uh, or die. I didn't do a lot of capital and there are no capital anomalies, but I did do a lot of anomalies in the first place. But are those, do they exist in NPC space or do you have to have sovereignty to trigger the anomalies? Uh, so right now how it works is you start off with some like one or two anomalies in the system. Once you get the strategic and the, basically the ADM up high enough, you can start installing upgrades. So I think there's uh, all the way up to five. So the higher it is, the more expensive the upgrade will be and the more anomaly is going to spawn. The same thing for, for war, I think. So, but, but are anomalies, do they exist in the wild and NPC? Anomalies exist, but like, they're you can't upgrade you're not going to get like the ADM up because you can't yeah. do that. So okay. it's going to be rarer, if at all. And, and who knows what they change, but this null sec we assume is going to include sovereign space that people can conquer and places that can't be conquered like NPC null sec, we assume. Yeah, and I mean, I think a lot of times for a lot of big alliances nowadays, is first of all, survive the war. Right? If we can't even survive the war, there's no, not a such thing as capital ratting after that. 
All right, so this is why I think they're speeding up the war. Maybe it's because uh, people are leaving. I have another theory on this. Okay, well, let's go through this one first. And that is, hey, there's a reason to look forward to in a few months, right? Well, this is quadrant four, so it could be as late as December, maybe even January of next year. But there's going to be some things for us to do with our capitals. We don't want our capital pilots stuck in T5Z waiting out the Imperium. So I'm thinking like, hey, let's get it over with. Let's go back home and let's start getting prepared for the new harvest because we're going to have some money-making capability with these pilots and these ships. What do you think, Shen, uh, on yours, on your end? Uh, I mean, that's part, part of the possibility, but if you look at it right now, it's a reason why Gobi and everyone else in the party leadership give everyone five to six days to move their capitals and super capitals from back home to T5Z. That means most of their capitals are back home. So. If this doesn't happen, or this thing just happens right now, people can still go back to home and start riding in their capitals or supers. Right? I mean, in it is not there. Uh, the max, the, the biggest enemy I think we have to worry about as Legacy even just RC, but they're in a war with not extra weapons. So, I mean, wrecking uh, crew. Yeah, not that much. Uh, so oh, much threat out there. I think. Wrecking Crew and NSH, are they actually at a war officially? Or is that just... I think something? they're still preparing for it. That's oh, okay. what I've been hearing. Right. But also on, yeah, on, on that note of uh, just how mechanics works, yeah. I will say this. Uh, I used a hell to try to rip down a PC dread before. It takes me about half a minute to kill a 60 million worth of a PC dread. So if they put five of them and they spawn like say, 10 of them per site, That'll be like 20 minutes, and that'll be 600 million gone right there. Yeah, I don't that's know how, too much of a faucet. I don't know how the ways that are going to maintain that, but if they keep it the way that it is right now, then that's the way that it's going to go. I'm, I'm it sure. should be like really quick risk for, for a lot of capital pounds. I'm sure that they're going to tweak it. Rain, I saw you do something. What What's going My on My facial there? expression? Yeah, yeah. So I think he has a point, okay, right? Okay. Because if you think about it, all this, all these capital sites come back. People have been in a time where they're not freely making money, and so if you don't have your capitals on the warfront, people are gonna be like, "Yo, guys, I'm gonna go riding in my super," and then it's, "Oh no, I died. How could this have happened?" It's like, "Yeah, no one's home to help you, homie. Like, you gotta be with the group." So I can definitely see, like, that's that's where my mind kind of went when he so started. You, you agree with Shen's assessment? Uh, okay. Yeah, that's a good one. Oh, very interesting. Well, anyway, uh, regardless, there's going to be a final assault 1DQ, and then we'll have things settled. We'll figure out what the what the post-war, if there's a post-war, looks like. All I can uh, think of about the uh, capital sites, if it's like NPC dreads, is how the rats in sites, when you try to gank a ratter, often turn on you because they have like Stockholm Syndrome, and NPC dreads obliterate subcaps. <laughs> like, That's going to be the other thing. Mm -hmm. Hopefully they have some mechanics so that they can actually work like you work warp in a saber to, to kill the bubble the nicks and like the dreads just like it. i mean like not only npc dread but there are also npc titans and super carriers around if you are lucky enough to trigger those but those things usually takes a long time uh, a lot of uh, dps from a hell or a super carrier to kill and i think maybe those can can be the final boss of a, an army or something like that who knows i mean like if the NPC super carriers or anything is like like the the drone ones in Potchven, they're kind of pathetic. Like they have a lot of no, a lot of health, no, but like no, no, no. Like the <laughs> the one you see in uh, so I think in uh, in, like in Minotaur, 
so it's either a supercarrier or a titan. So I think uh, in at least in uh, central space. I've seen space, the NPC titans. I've seen the yeah. NPC titans that are so, super strong. Yeah. So in central space is uh, the revenant hall as this model, but it's a supercarrier. I've seen I the serpentus ones in syndicate. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think all the other three is Titans, so that's just how it goes. But it does take a lot of DPS to kill one of them. Uh, yeah, I mean the hardest NPC uh, super capital to kill is the final boss on uh, for Nosek incursion, the last yeah, revenant. Sure. Yeah, that one can take like we used twenty thirty super carrier, and that thing would stand like, at least like, a minute or two. Take Marauders. All right. Uh, I think that is everything. We had a little bit on the AT. Uh, just real quick, uh, they're, uh, Rain, they're looking for announcers. Is that right? Yeah. So EMT is going to do production um, in Iceland. And so as part of that, they're inviting an uh, up to three analysts to come with them. And then as well as you can be an at-home commentator. So if people are interested, definitely apply. Um, follow out the rules. Um, I highly encourage it. I know I've done it. It was an amazing experience. I would highly recommend if anybody has an interest to try it out. Thank you, Sutonia. Sutonia or Rain, are you um, are you guys a shoe in to do it, or is, does everybody have to try out? Everyone has to uh, apply, even if you've worked with uh, EVNT in the past. I think the only person who's uh, definitely there is probably Ithaca Hawk because he's the host, and I think the production team are like uh, people who EVNT. Uh, have done like the production with before, but when it comes to like the people who are actually casting or doing the the analyst work, like everyone has to apply, and there's an equal chance. Right, you and, are. Like, I think CSP will have uh, some impact, like input on it too. So it's not like it's just even T's call. Like CCP mm -hmm. will be providing, you know, they'll be uh, choosing, like at least have some uh, input on like who gets chosen to. Yeah. So back to the timing of why it's like. Now oh, you weren't done with that. Sorry, did I take that plate away from you before you finished eating? I'm sorry. I'm yeah. a bad waiter. Uh, it's like I think the biggest uh, advantage we have in terms of time zone is uh, doing CNTV. Although I don't want to admit it, but Frat is strong and they are really good at uh, AUTV or CNTV. So I think people are trying to take advantage of that. And the special thing with the population that's made out of uh, in Chinese player base, from at least my experience, is a lot of uh, like Chinese players are very young. They're either university students or somewhere around it. So summers tend to be a strong time. That's where you see the PCUs flattening, not going, not like uh, AUTC going down same as the other two time zone. So I think, I think they want to do it before the summer ends. So we have a full head uh, force in uh, during CNTC to push it because I think the only t uh, people that can. That includes has like PLA, Jokaris, and Ranger Regiments. I think there's three groups in the Imperiums that's like in AOTZ or CNTZ. You guys are going to have to do a lot of work. Well, it's going to be frat. Uh, we'll, we'll be cheering them on and watch they die. <laughs> You're going to cheer them on and like, I'm yeah, going if, in if, after if, you. Yeah. You if, go if first. If they're winning, we're happy because girls are getting defeated. If they're losing, we're happy because they're losing fleets. So win-win okay. for us. Either way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just all joking aside, but yeah. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Do you guys have any uh, any last things you want to say? Any pro tips? Uh, Arcia, do you want to reveal that you're going to try out for the Alliance Tournament shoutcast uh, team? Stuff like that? I haven't given it any thought at all. <laughs> Start now. Start now. All right. Uh, you guys have anything else you want to cover before yeah, we go? Just, yeah. We talked about this the other day with mm -hmm. the Alliance Tournament. 
a lot of people are saying, yep, that's good for the 12 people who do it. And I get it. But the community team has solidly grown over the past year. Um, they're up to like five or six people now that are the forward face. And then there's still more behind the scenes. And CCP is putting money into this. Anytime they put money into the game, even if it's a part of the game that you may not like or care for, it's still them reinvesting in the game. And that is always a good thing. Just like, you know, some change comes out and you don't care about it because that's not your play style. It's still something that they are investing in. So it's it's good for everybody, no matter what. Um, yeah, I and it also, it brings players back into the game that are FC types and capable of creating content for PVPers while they're around the game. A lot of those people actually, they go into hibernation when the tournament's not around. All right, uh, Con, you were going to say something, I think? Yeah, just just real quick. I don't think anybody ever brought it up, but uh, I feel like the the gas and the um, the ice holes changes are going to be related to T1 haulers, I feel like. Um, the Galente already kind of has something similar to that. So what I'm thinking is they're just going to just clean that up a little bit and have each hauler maybe have a specific type of ore they haul and give them, a, uh, you know, either a gas hold or an ice hold or an ore hold. And like the Mimitar, the Kaldari, and the, uh, the Galente, no, the Galente have them. The Amarian, the Mimitar, and the uh, Kaldari don't currently have those ore space basic ships. They have more like align time or more tank. So I'm, I'm thinking that might be what CCP meant by the extra base, not so much adding them to every barge. Yeah. Uh, um... Thanks. In regards to the Alliance tournament, they one of the things that was announced that I want to give a shout out for being a good idea was the mercenary rule that they added. Um, for for a long time, my biggest criticism of the Alliance tournament when it ran was that it was uh, harder for small alliances to participate, being that you're locked to only people within your alliance, and since people create like super alliances anyway, uh, it it already defeats like the spirit of oh it's only the, your alliance because they're making alliances just for the for the tournament anyway um so just like allowing groups to have some amount of people from outside of the alliance to make up for numbers if they're smaller is definitely a positive change um, hmm. that i would like to give a shout out for as a good good addition to you can only play for one team though is that how it works yeah yeah, yeah. you can only play for one team all right well no point in making a team TIS. You guys all play for other teams in the tournament. So but. I think you'd have to be like uh, a, an alliance, and then like a half, a, like at least ten people, or you can have up to ten people from outside. I think was the rule. And, and if you're yeah, a mercenary, you can't be in an alliance that's in the tournament. So like if PL had a tournament team, and someone from PL wanted to be a mercenary for someone else, they couldn't do that because they would have to be on PL's team. Yeah, the, the reason behind that as well is uh, CCP obviously uh, is very anti-collusion, and that's like part of the anti-collusion rules. Yeah, right, well. yeah, that makes sense. But like for like a small alliance that has like another small alliance as a friend, the two can yeah, actually Yeah, yeah. So, so for example, right, with Mimitar, right, you could have a Yemen Khan and Electus Batari <laughs> and Wild Beast who all like have a team together. Well, I'll be a team of one then. I'm gonna I'm gonna try throw my hat in the ring. Maybe I, maybe I can get Nick in on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this I'll helps bring, RVB, too. 
It sounds like a whelp of plex if you're just going in solo. <laughs> well, in years prior, groups like RVB could already play. So, like, other groups in the past have, like, CCP has made exceptions for them. Like, Castabouts was, like, half NPC players because of the way the group works. Yeah, right, but and this just solidifies it. Yeah, yeah so it makes it a something. lot easier. Yeah, have something clear solidified in a rule so it doesn't look like, oh, people are playing favorites, right? I I, I highly appreciate this mercy. Yeah, and there's, there's some cases, right, where you might have, like, I don't know, a team, let's say Mimitar FW team, where there's, like, eight Electus Matari people and they only need two more people, but it would be, like, really weird for CSP to make an exception for, like, the one Usha Khan guy who's joining your team. Yeah. But with this rule, then at least you can you can do that very easily. Yeah, for, for like, example, when we pinged for interest in the tournament, in EM, we got seven people to say they were interested in actually doing the practicing and stuff. And that falls short of what you need. All right. Well, thanks very much. Time for me to go off into EVE Online and do some mining out there uh, in Mara. I think that's low sec. If you guys want to come hunt for me, I'll be mining there. And uh, I want to say thanks to everybody that uh, showed up today. If you want to mine and have fun, come see me. Yeah, I, I might. Uh, all right. Uh, thanks a lot, Nick and Kenneth, uh, the Elder Khan, Arcia, Rain, and Suetonia, Enren, and of course, Shen. <laughs> uh, thank all you guys for showing up. A big group today. Lots of information. Uh, thank you guys for sharing all that with everybody else. That's all that we have time for this week. We will see you next weekend for the weekend review. Until then, uh, fly safe. Oh, by the way, I'm not going to be in Mara. You don't need to come look for me. I was just trying to see who would show up. All right, see you later.